0: relocational astrology. Cue the Rolling Stones doing street fighting men, with one minor modification, summer's here and the time is right for fighting, with endless security clearance queues, homicidal maniacs on the highways, and lucha libre family vacations. I know you know what I mean. Many of us will soon be hitting the road, one way or another. Today, traveling is not as easy as it once was, but for most of us, it is still often worth the effort and the frustration. The next four months will find me personally in New Orleans, North Carolina, Maine, New York, down to Australia, back to New York, back home to the Anza Desert where I live, and then over to China. Obviously, I am crazier than most. But not many of us will stay home. We'll hear that siren call, or at least the call of familial obligations, and everywhere we visit, the energy feels different. Some places just make you feel happy, some trigger uneasiness, some feel like home the first time you see them, and some never will. Many of those reactions are pretty straightforward. There's no need to look at an astrological chart to help you fathom why a beach looks so good to you on a hot summer day, but sometimes the the reasons we react to a place in a particular way are more slippery. That's where astrology comes in. There are three different relocational techniques that I use in my practice. They are astrocartography, local space, and relocated charts. They are all indispensable tools. Each approach does certain things very well and they don't overlap very much. If you leave out one of the three techniques, you will be missing about one-third of the available information and insight. Use them all, in other words. In this newsletter, I want to introduce each of these methods, talk about their strengths and their blind spots, and offer a few guidelines about how to best employ them. Let's start with the simplest and, in many ways, the most powerful of these three techniques, the relocated chart. So I was born on January 6th of 1949 at 3.21 in the morning Eastern Standard Time in Mount Vernon, New York, down near New York City in Westchester County. There's two or three Mount Vernons. Now, I moved to Borrego Springs, California, where I live now in 2008. But what if I had actually been born here? That is, what if I had been born at the same moment in time, but here in the desert instead of New York? What would my chart have looked like? that's the relocated chart. Be careful when you are casting it. You've got to make sure that your computer doesn't fool you. Depending on what program you are using, there is a good chance that the machine will see California and, helpfully, so to speak, turn my birth time to 321 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Wrong! When I was born, it was actually 1221 AM out here in California. If you simply enter that corrected time, you will have the right chart. That is, what you would enter is January 6, 1949, Borrego Springs, California at 1221 AM Pacific Standard Time. or. Perhaps you can override the software's insistence on PST and just enter 321 AM EST, even though Eastern Standard Time seems pretty weird for the West Coast. Either method works fine, so long as it's the same date but the new place. 1221 PST is the same moment as 321 EST, that is the point. The only thing you want to change is the location. Here's a quick way to check to make sure you got it right. Look at the position of the moon. If it is not in exactly the same degree and minute as it was in your regular birth chart, something went haywire. At the instant of my own birth, the moon was in 3 degrees, 17 minutes of Aries, everywhere in the world. No matter where you relocate your chart, the sun, the moon, the nodes, and the planets will remain in exactly the same sign positions. It is only their house positions that will change. Houses, of course, relate to behavior, circumstances, and events. The new house positions in the relocated chart will be evident in what is happening in your life in the new place. Now, yakking about myself is not the point of this newsletter, but very simply, in my relocated chart for Borrego Springs, there is a strong shift into houses 3 and 6. And I have never worked so intensely, sixth house, at writing and teaching, third house, nor traveled nor hiked so much. That's third house again. There are deeper things I could say, but I don't want to overshare. While all your planets do remain in exactly the same signs in your relocated chart, that is not always true for the all-important four angles of the chart. Move far enough east or west, and you will have a different ascendant. Here in Borrego Springs, my ascendant moves from my natal Scorpio backwards into Libra, that change ripples further into the interpretation by making Venus the ruler of my relocated chart, taking that rulership on or away from Mars and Pluto. And the biographical signature is quite evident. The stuff works. I live in a beautiful landscape, in a beautiful home, with a beautiful professional artist whom I love, and she even has Libra rising. Now Going a little deeper, what exactly do we see in a relocated chart? How can we understand this tool and use it correctly? What does it mean? The first question, does it replace the birth chart? Absolutely not. Your birth chart is your birth chart, cradle to grave. We will say more about that in a moment. What we have in the relocated chart can be understood if you will forgive a flagrant oxymoron as permanent transits. I know it sounds silly, but permanent transits. Think of it like this. If Mercury transits across your sun, for those few days, your email inbox is flooded, your phone is buzzing, and your friends are so wired on strong coffee that they can't shut up, then Mercury passes. Now, if you move to a place where Mercury relocates to your Ascendant, the same kinds of effects and correlations can be expected. For as long as you are there, that transit, so to speak, will be permanent. Stay long enough, and you might actually write that novel you've been thinking about for years. The longer the exposure to the new place, the deeper the effect, but you will even feel it on a week-long vacation. Now, a moment ago I said your birth chart is your birth chart cradle to grave. Let's think deeply about that point. In evolutionary astrology, we understand that there is nothing random about the chart you have Everything in your present chart is there for a reason, and those reasons predate your birth. It's all karmic, in other words. And stemming from that karma, the chart contains remedies and prescriptions for your evolution. Now, in the light of all that, give the following idea a reality check. I hate my karma. I hate that I was such a snake in a past life. Then imagine the cartoon light bulb lighting over the dummy's head. I've got it. I've got it. I'll just move to Denver, and I'll have a different south node. That's it. Problem solved. Well, you may detect elements of weakness in this reasoning. Use relocated charts by all means, but never fall into the illusion that they replace your birth chart. I would say the same thing, by the way, about relocated solar return charts. There's a cottage industry in telling people where to go for their birthdays. Go to Tahiti, because Jupiter will be conjunct your solar return ascendant there. This is not a totally misguided notion, but it is bad practice to ignore the solar return to your natal place. If you wonder why I say that, listen again to the last couple hundred words. Let's move on and talk about astrocartography. An astrocartographic map looks just like a straightforward map of the world or a region of the world. The only difference is that such maps are covered with lines associated with planets. Some of them are vertical, some of them curve across the map. The idea is that when you are near any of these planetary lines, you feel their signature energies. If you understood the reasoning behind the relocated chart, you can quickly grasp the logic behind astrocartography, a term, by the way, coined by the late Jim Lewis. You will also quickly see the major blind spot of astrocartography. A moment ago, we imagined you moving to a place where Mercury was relocated to your ascendant. If you looked at your astrocartography map, you would see that that place was on a Mercury line. Here's the logic behind it. When you were born, naturally somewhere on the Earth, Mercury was rising. That's your Mercury line. And it's a line, not a dot on the map, because, of course, Mercury was on the eastern horizon in more than one place at that moment. Here's an easy way to visualize it. Think of the familiar image of Earth floating in space, half sunlit, half dark. Everywhere along that Terminator line of shadow and light, the sun was rising. You've got it. That's your astrocartographic sun line. Astrocartography is ever so slightly more complex than what I've just described. Somewhere on the earth, Mercury was setting, too. Somewhere it was on the midheaven, and somewhere it was anti-culminating on the fourth house cusp, in other words. So there are actually four Mercury lines, four Sun lines, and so forth. Rising, setting, culminating, and anti-culminating. Look carefully at any astrocartographic map, and you will see notations such as Mars MC. Obviously, that would be the geographic line along which Mars was on the midheaven at the time of your birth. Now, when a planet is relocated to an angle, it indeed becomes very powerful. That is why astrocartography often works so very well. But planets can become powerful in other ways, ways that astrocartography misses. For example, Mercury rules the third house. If you move or travel, Mercury might be relocated to your third house cusp. It would be strongly emphasized there, just not for the reason of angularity. And your astrocartographic map will not show that. Let's go a little bit further. Usually in the practical realm of astrological counsel, the client is thinking of moving to Asheville, North Carolina, or some other specific place. In that situation, I never bother with astrocartography. I just set up the relocated chart. Relocated charts may lack the digital bells and whistles of astrocartography, but they are really a much more powerful technique. They don't miss anything. You would see that Mercury on the third house cusp, for example. Now, occasionally, people come in for counsel who want to move, but they're not sure where. That is not unusual, for example, when a person is contemplating retirement and has many possible destinations. Then out comes the astrocartography. Using that map, we get a good start on scoping out the big picture, but it is not long before we have narrowed the list down to a few appealing places and we are back to looking at the relocated charts. So use astrocartography, but keep perspective on it. Let's move on to our third technique, local space. I am a big fan of this technique. I find it every bit as powerful as astrocartography, but strangely, it is not nearly as well known. Like astrocartography, local space produces a normal-looking map with planetary lines on it. However, the way they are derived is entirely different. They are based on something called azimuths. Here's a way to think about it. A child is born. At that moment, we point to the moon. It lies high in the sky, but let us say it bears due east. If we were to drop the moon directly down to a clear, true horizon, we might see that it lies at a bearing of 92 degrees, actually just a little bit south of due east. That's the moon's azimuth. In the same way, all the planets would similarly have their own azimuths. It is really almost like pointing a finger at them. Some, of course, would currently lie below the horizon. No problem. Just raise them until they're on that true horizon and take that bearing. One more step. Now fire a magic bullet at the moon. It goes all the way around the earth and hits you in the back of the head. There would, in other words, be two paths you could go by in order to get to the moon. Either direction would do. Another way to say it is that local space lines point both exactly toward and exactly away from a planet. Draw those lines on the map, and there's your local space map. It is easy to distinguish it at a glance from astrocartography because in local space, you will always see lines exploding outward in every direction from your birthplace. In astrocartography, there would be no such epicenter. In practice, Local space works just like astrocartography. If you travel along those lines, you will experience the energy of those planets. Local space has an important practical advantage. It can work on very small scales. Let's say you are planning to move house, but to remain in the same city. Not an unusual situation cartography would cast no light on that question at all. It only works on larger geographical scales. In that system, there is no real distinction between the south side of Chicago and the north side. But maybe in local space, you see that due north is the direction of your Saturn line or your Jupiter line. Now, we just learned two things. First, that local space can be relocated. Maybe you were not born in Chicago, but your Saturn line is always pointed north anyway. Secondly, we learn that local space works over short distances as well as over long ones. The technique can even work as a kind of astrological feng shui in your own home. If you have trouble sleeping, don't put your bed on your Uranus line or maybe try moving it to your moon line. Here are some final thoughts. The practical bottom line in applying all of these techniques is that when you relocate, you emphasize an altered set of astrological powers in your life. But you need to think deeply about that. As evolutionary astrologers, we are ever wary of one-dimensional lucky or unlucky interpretations. Planets are simply energies. You can use them well or poorly. Saturn locations, for example, imply the need for disciplined effort, and they caution us about loneliness or despair. But how will you use that energy? Will you really get your teeth into something or will you just feel isolated and depressed? It's up to you, not up to Saturn. Similarly, Neptune locations support spiritual and creative pursuits and warn of lassitude, of feeling lost, and of escapism. We use all our basic, familiar, archetypal, planetary imagery. In other words, the translation from the core principles of evolutionary astrology into both astrocartography and local space is straightforward, and it's the same way with relocational astrology. The principles remain the same, it's just a different application of the techniques. I groan when I hear of astrologers who suggest that you should never move to a Saturn line. Maybe you want to do something difficult. Maybe you want to write a novel or get your doctorate or build a house. Saturn energy can support that kind of focus and discipline. For similar reasons, I I despair when I hear an astrologer exhorting everyone to move to their Jupiter line. It's not that simple. I've seen people use Jupiter energy simply to get fat. And of course, all that glitters is not gold. In applying these techniques in your own life... Ask yourself some penetrating questions. What are your intentions? Why are you moving or taking that vacation in Italy? What do you want out of it? What are your liabilities? What has your actual experience been with, uh, say, Venus, for example? Do you really want to emphasize that energy in your life? Your answers are naturally personal, unique, and 100% your own business. We think Venus... And we naturally think of relationships. Fair enough. But what if your natal Venus lies in Virgo and the 10th house? Then that Venus is charged with the energy of career and mission. Move to your Venus line, and you will be electrifying those potentials in your life. And no astrocartographic cookbook would tell you that. Such books can only treat the planets generically. In other words, to get the full benefit of these mapping techniques, you need to take into account the specific meanings and possibilities of each planet as it actually fits into the signs, houses, and aspects of your chart. In a way, there is nothing as simple as Venus. You can't separate the planet from its particular conditions. With those caveats in mind, here follows a quick thumbnail cookbook sketch of the high and low action of each planet as it operates in the context of both astrocartography and local space. Similarly, in the relocated chart, if a planet becomes emphasized, some of these words that I'm about to say will have some relevance. Meanwhile, happy and safe travels this summer, and here comes the promised cookbook if you move toward a sun line expect heightened self-confidence and charisma and probably greater vitality and possibly the embarrassment of your ego's stuff getting demonstrated to everyone who beholds you see the high and the low if you move toward a moon line expect intensified emotions, nurturing impulses, greater depth, a sense of home, or a sense of family, and possibly moodiness, lassitude, and irrationality. If you move towards a Mercury line, expect underscored intellectual vigor opportunities to speak or write or teach, restlessness and curiosity, and possibly nervousness, scattered energy, insomnia, and difficulty closing your mouth. I might add, from a shamanic perspective, your Mercury direction in local space is a direction in which to look for omens. That's kind of a big subject. Let's move on. If you move toward a Venus line, expect intensified impulses towards intimacy, towards sexual expression, aesthetic stimulus, creative enthusiasm, and possibly laziness, romantic complications, and temptation towards addiction. That's an underappreciated dimension of Venus. I just want peace. And that can lead us down a slippery slope. If you move toward a Mars line, expect emphasized physical vitality, assertiveness, competitiveness, entrepreneurial impulses and passion, and possibly anger, violence, victimization, and accident. If you move toward a Jupiter line, expect boatloads of enthusiasm and confidence big opportunities, more faith in yourself and in life, and possibly overactive appetites, overextension, and poor boundaries. Yes is a word that can get us into a lot of trouble. If you move toward a Saturn line, Expect peaks of self-discipline, determination, tolerance for solitude, ambition in some sense of the word, and possibly sadness, loneliness, reversals, and low vitality. If you move toward a urinal sign, expect a drive towards greater independence some degree of rebelliousness, enhanced creativity, and a general sense of there being more wild cards in life's deck, you know, expect the unexpected, and possibly headstrong idiocy and unpleasant surprises. If you move toward a Neptune line, expect vivid psychic sensitivity, colorful dreams, deeper spirituality, creative inspiration, and possibly spaciness, lack of motivation, poor judgment, and addictive or escapist impulses. If you move toward a Pluto line, expect intense psychological processes and a deeper sense of the tides of fate, so to speak and possibly psychological heaviness, existential despair, even catastrophe. In that direction, you will encounter the core wounds of your soul and have a chance to heal them or to be driven by them. If you move toward a node line, you invite the facing and resolution of the basic karmic and evolutionary issues of your life there is very often a distinct call of destiny associated with places along that nodal line. And note that since the nodes are an axis in the chart, there's only one node line, not a separate one for north and south. So there's our cookbook. Once again, remember to put it in the context of your own aspects and signs and houses and, and, and so on. And once again, meanwhile, enjoy your summer travels.